The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Welcome to another edition of Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Goller. When I first became aware of Regina Kate's new book, Lead With Your Heart, Living a Life of Love, Compassion and Purpose, it struck a real note with me. And by the way, I'm very grateful to Alison Jacob from Hereford Publishing for bringing the book to my attention because the note it struck with me was one of great authenticity. So I immediately went to Regina's website, I downloaded a free chapter and read it and I was not to be disappointed. With my hard copy still in the mail, I went to Amazon and I downloaded the Kindle version on my iPad. And folks, I can only say that this author is someone who is not just writing words or beautiful words, Far from this, Regina Kate is one of those gifted people who has the ability to share and teach others through her words and her personal experience of what I call grace, grit and gratitude. Her writing conveys a woman who knows what it's like to dance in the flames. And her book is realistic. It's easy to read. It's not like many of the books that are um, so many things to do that you don't know what to do. So um, it's easy to read, it's full of wisdom, and more than that, via her Facebook page, Romancing Your Soul, and her website, the same name, she provides her engaged readers with a toolkit for those who are motivated to lift their life and spirit and to get more from their life. Remember, it doesn't have to be cancer to initiate change. Any crisis will do. So if you want to explore change and feel that you could just be experiencing some more from your life, then this, I think, is the book for you. So welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze today, Regina Cates, author of Lead With Your Heart. Thank you so much, Grace. Pleasure to be here. It's fantastic to have you. As I said in the intro, um, I think this is uh, wonderful work you're doing and it's a great book that you have written. So, Regina, um, your life was one of both inner and outer turmoil when you were growing up in Texas. Can you please share your story with us uh, today, what that time was like? Sure, yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, Grace, I was born uh, knowing that I was different, that I was gay, and I was raised in a southern 
Christian church in, you know, the southern part of the United States. So it became very difficult for me in the area that was most important to me, which is spirituality, for me to find a way to fit in. You know, I was totally alone with this secret. Uh, for many years, I thought I was the only gay person on the entire planet, and I lived under that stigma. And, and lived with the idea of what other people thought was right and wrong and how I, even as a little child, was well, sinning against God and all of these other things. So, you know, there were significant challenges that I faced growing up because I was all alone with this secret. Uh, it took many, many years for me to share. And then when I did, my worst fears came about. I was uh, sent to a physician who sexually molested me, and then I was put into a... I, I guess you would call it a psychiatric ward uh, for about 10 days because they were worried that I was going to kill myself, which I wasn't. I was just trying to deal with everybody telling me that I was wrong when in my heart I knew that I was okay. Wow, that's a, that's a really big story. And then what happened after that? I'm sorry, what? What happened after that? Oh goodness! Well, what happened after that is I, I yeah, spent the next the several years working through all of this stuff, and and you know my life has been a journey, Grace, of staying true to who I am. You know, the heart of who I am. I I was born when I was very very young, and I started questioning. You know, I was one of those little obstinate children that questioned constantly. I wanted to know the reasons for things. I wanted to know why, 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 why. I was always questioning. So. I, I went on an inward journey of questioning, um, really questioning other people. How could someone else be right? How could they tell me what is good for them was right for me too? And I began to discover on this journey, Grace, and I documented in, in the book, um, you know, how we put stuff onto other people, how we, we project, you know, we have our projections and all of these things that we believe and, and how our beliefs hurt other people, how we don't allow one another just to be. And so my life has really been a journey of staying true to that soul, staying true to who I was born to be. Mm. And you had a lot of significant challenges, of course, um, some of them you've just told us about. What about the other emotional aspects of uh, dealing with the life that you had? I know in the book you've talked about unworthiness and fear and anxiety. Can you talk a little about those? Yeah, uh, you know, whenever we're persecuted, whenever we grow up with, with stigmas and with abuse and, and things like that, but then we turn these things inward. You know, what's wrong with me? What did I do to deserve this? And, of course, I learned from a very early age uh, from listening to, to people from the pulpit or whatever that I was just destined to go wherever, you know, to hell or whatever their belief was. So yeah. I really didn't see that there was any option for me. You know, I was even told that I'd have to have surgery to make me right. So I grew up with a lot of fear about things that were actually not even true. And I turned those inward, which we tend to do when we're abused. We tend to not feel worthy, and we tend to take that abuse out on ourselves. And I did that in a number of different ways. Everything from codependent relationships to smoking cigarettes, two packs a day for 22 years, to overeating, trying to stuff those emotions, the emotions of just wanting to remain aligned to my true self, which part of it is being gay, and, and most of it was just being a good person. So when we, when we go through these kinds of events in our life, then we tend to turn that abuse on ourselves, and my journey was learning to not do that. My journey was learning to... Uh, love myself in spite of what everybody else said. 
Yeah, look, that's. Um, I think you've really touched on a number of very significant things there. And uh, from reading your book, which, as I said in the introduction, uh, I managed to uh, download a copy on Kindle. So uh, very fortunate to oh, do good. that. Yeah, um, which is why I think the book is actually so valuable because it's coming from a very authentic place. And uh, that really shines through, I think, in your writing. And something that you've just said there, that you were kind of living life in the fast lane, as people do with mortgages and all these things kind of happening around you. And then you also described this other world that was underpinning it. And somehow you've managed to integrate those two worlds. Could you just speak a little bit to that? Um, I'm sorry, I really didn't hear part of your question. Um um, can you repeat that for me? I can. What I'll do is I'm just going to leave a gap so that we can go back. We must have a bit of fluctuation in the um, in the telephone wires, I think. Yeah, it's a little low right too. I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing a little bit of it. Okay. It's that rock and roll drummer. <laughs> Actually, that's a commonality that we have. We'll talk about that later. Um, okay, so we'll just leave a gap now and then I'll come in and ask that. So, Regina, in the introduction of your book, um, Leading with the Heart, you talk about the lifestyle that actually so many of our cancer patients talk about. You know, life in the fast lane, mortgages, cars, living beyond means, uh, all those kind of things. And you had this other side, too, that was kind of underpinning that, which was all your personal early trauma. Can you um, speak to how you came to merge those those two aspects and become who you are today? Yeah, uh, you know, I really had to look at what success was for myself, Grace. You know, uh, do am I going to continue to just go down this path of what everybody else tells me I'm supposed to be in life? You know, chasing the big house, the big car, you know, the big wardrobe and all of these other things. Uh, eating myself into a stupor, or am I going to really just turn this all around and say, hey, this is my life, regardless of what happened to me in the past, regardless of what was put on me by other people, this is my life, and I have the choice from this day forward to make something of my life. And so I, I sat down and, and went through a long process of self-assessment. Like I said, I grew up as an obstinate child, and I was always asking questions. And I asked questions of myself, too, even from an early age. So I really spent a lot of time. Are you happy because you can't pay your bills? Are you happy because you're overweight and don't recognize the person in the mirror? Are you happy because you are living in fear? Are any of these things actually contributing positively to your life? So it was through the process of looking at myself honestly and openly and really taking those walls down. You know, it's like peeling the onion and getting to the inside of what's really, really important. And, and you know, it's relationships. It's every moment that we're given on this beautiful journey of life because you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, my partner was diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma, so we went through that. Uh, I'm very grateful for life. I'm very grateful for every moment that I have. And that's the decision that I came to, Grace. It was just, do I want to be happy? You know, I had that aha in the book you'll read about the aha when I was sitting on the couch and, and I was so miserable and having a temper tantrum and victim, victim, victim. And then this little voice said, who's actually responsible for creating the life you say you want? And in the instant that I, I got that I am, 
you know, so much of that control just left me. I just sort of surrendered to, you know what, you really got to stand up and make this life the best that you could possibly do it. That was a transformational moment for me, Grace. It really was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a turning point that I hear so many people talk about, that there was just like a sudden moment when everything came together and got an aha. It was the aha, you know, and I want to also say that, that for those of us that experience this aha, which I think we all do, you know, we, we have a lot of experiences that build up to this grace. You know that. It wasn't just this one moment. This just seemed to be a big moment of relief, of surrender. But I think I'd been preparing for a very long period of time in order to get to the place that I was ready for surrender. Yeah, sure. I think that's very important, too. Um, I was intrigued to know that uh, you were a classical musician playing the French horn and that you played drums in a rock and roll band. I'm a drummer, too, actually, from the past. (laughs) And uh, one of my desires has been actually to uh, play in a rock and roll band. So there you go. (laughs) Uh, Do you still play music? (laughs) Yeah, it was great fun. I I was... um, uh, very fortunate, I think, Grace, because I found that music, you know, I grew up with cartoons back in the, in the 60s, and I listened to these little cartoons on television, and I loved the classical music behind the cartoons. That was back in the day when there was Popeye and all of these other cartoons. And so I fell in love as a child with classical musician, with, with classical music, and when I was, uh, I guess, in junior high, around um, 11 years old, 12 years old, I took up the trumpet and then was quickly changed to French horn. I love music because it gave me a way to express myself. It gave me a way to feel good about myself. Uh, every other aspect of my life was not going that well, you know. Yeah. So that in sports, I was highly gifted in sports also, and so I played a lot of sports and I did a lot of music. And that, the you know, the principal French horn in a symphony, that ended up I played for two years with the Victoria Symphony in Victoria, Texas, um, and then I went on to be a rock and roll drummer in an almonds band. Never played drums before, but I sort of taught myself. But music, I think, is a wonderful expression of our soul. And for me, it was a lifesaver. It gave me an identity when I needed one very badly. Fantastic. Regina, I can't believe it. We've come to the uh, end of our first session on navigating the cancer maze today. So uh, if you can just hold on there, we'll be back in a moment while uh, we uh, go to our sponsor and uh, then we'll come back and talk more about your book and the content of it. So folks, don't go away. We'll be back shortly. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. 
Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're back on Navigating the Cancer Maze, and today my very special guest is Regina Cates. And she's talking about her book, Lead With Your Heart. Uh, Regina, uh, you're accomplished in the academic world as a teacher. And you gained a master's degree and you've worked in business. The turning point where you wanted to leave that world, we've talked about your turning point in your um, awareness, but the turning point in that world um, and where you wanted to do something different. Can you tell us about how that came about? Yeah, Grace, I will. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily conscious. It, it it was very interesting to me because when I stepped on the campus of Berry College uh, uh, back about twelve years ago, I knew in my heart it was a higher knowing that this would be my last traditional job. Um, I believe that I have been working all of my life to gain the knowledge that I needed in order to pursue what I do now and that is sharing my heart and my stories and and the experience that I've gone through uh, in a way that is relatable. And I think I needed to get the gray hair, and I think I needed to get all of the experience. So I don't think that it was so much a conscious decision. It was one that I believe that was made for me because it was time. Uh, I've been helping people all of my life uh, sort of see a different view of life. Even as a child, I did this. So I think that... uh, Right now, at the age of 57, uh, certainly I wrote the book 10 years ago, or started writing 10 years ago, but I think that it all led up to this particular journey. So for me, it wasn't a conscious decision, hey, today I'm going to quit and go this, you know, do, this, do this other thing. It was like I was led to it and I followed without question. And do you have some colleagues um, that you work with? I've had a look at your website, and I see that you have created a very useful Facebook and um, actually a proper website. And I know that your Facebook has an enormous following. Has the need for the message that you are bringing to people surprised you? Um, no, uh, you know, it really hasn't, hasn't uh, surprised me because I think that we all share the same longings, the, the same loneliness, Grace. You know, I think we all share the same fear. So uh, I don't I don't think it that it has surprised me. 
I think that I'm extraordinarily grateful that there are other people out there that resonate with my story and what it is that I share. And I'm grateful also to have put together a, a wonderfully talented team that works with me. Uh, the, you know, they're, they're wonderfully uh, inspirational people that come together to help me do all of the technical things that I have no clue how to do. <laughs> um, so we're just grateful to come together and offer what it is that we do to the world. Yeah, look, I'd really encourage uh, the listeners to go and have a look at your website, um, the Facebook as well. But uh, in particular, there's a free download from your book. Um, available through the website and it is romancingyoursoul.com mm -hmm. yeah 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 we're, we're giving away the first chapter of the book yeah absolutely for anyone who goes and signs up for the email list and the email list is basically my worldwide heart family uh that's that's how i stay in touch with folks and give extra motivation that's not available on facebook Fantastic. And uh, towards the end of the show, we'll talk a little bit more about um, that website and uh, your content. So um, last week on the show, you've mentioned uh, your sexual abuse issue as a child, which must have been horrendous. And, uh, you know, all your, your issues of discovering who you were as a, as a gay person. Um, we talked about PTSD quite a bit last week, post-traumatic stress issues or disorder or syndrome. Um, and I see that as a disconnection from who we are. Um, it's a, uh, our soul and the, the power that's available to us when we can reintegrate that aspect is really important. So you call your work Romancing the Soul. So tell us about your experience of soul. What does soul mean to you? And what does your reconnection with it mean to you now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, each of us is a spiritual being on a great human adventure. I know that we're, we're a physical being and an emotional being and an intellectual being. But I think the operating system is the soul. At least that's my belief system. And I've known this uh, all of my life, Grace. You know, I came in when I was about 18 months old. I had an experience that I'll never forget. And that is that I woke up to a certain extent and I was aware of being aware in this particular lifetime. And I think I was aware of being connected to a higher, wiser part of myself. Uh, even at a young age, I asked questions that were, uh, you know, maybe beyond my years. Uh, <laughs> I would get the most interesting stares from some of the adults around me. So, um, and then I think as I went through this particular ordeal of, of the sexual molestation and the, and the uh, other things that challenged me in my life, I think I might have lost a connection with that. Uh, you know, when we go through trauma, we do experience uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and syndrome. I understand that. Uh, I was there at one point in my life where I just felt like I was at the end of my rope. And what you talk about as far as reconnecting with the essence of who we really are is extremely important in getting over uh, the stress that we've had in our life and the abuse that we've, we've gone through that causes uh, the stressful, you know, nature that causes us to be upset and causes us to, to retreat into a world that we, we want to keep safe. It happened for me very much, and the way that I reconnected with it was to really look within and to reconnect with who I am. Who is Regina? Who is it that Regina really wants to be? Is it what everybody else tells me I should be? Or is it the person that I want to be, the person who loves animals, the person who loves people, the person who is kind and caring, regardless of what anybody else thinks? So 
I think that when we're aligned with who we are made to be, whatever skills those are, whatever talents those are, whatever feelings that we have, then that's remaining aligned, connected to the soul of who we are. It, it's sometimes very difficult to experience. I mean, to explain. We experience this stuff, and we really know what what it feels like. But for me, it was it was becoming aligned with who I'm really meant to be, which is part of what I do now. It's who I am. Um, and now all of the stress went away. All of the depression went away. Yeah, and that's what you have so beautifully um, described, actually, in your book. And I'd like to move on to your book right now. Um, Regina, can you describe the, the process of writing? I've written my own memoirs and a few other books, and it's a, it's an intense process to do this and um, when you write about your own journey too it's a very personal thing Um, can you talk about that process and the motivations that came behind that Mm -hmm. sure thank you yeah I will Grace Um, I was motivated to write the book because when I was the MBA program director at Berry College in in Rome Georgia beautiful campus I loved my time there I gave the Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now to my assistant it's one of the handful of spiritual books that I had read, and, and I gave it to her, and she gave it back to me the very next day because it was too intimidating for her. Wow. She, was, she was overwhelmed by that. So in that moment in time, I thought, you know, there, there would be, um, I guess, a market or a need for the same thing that Eckhart says, the same thing that Deepak says, the same thing that so many other uh, folks that we are exposed to every day who share positivity and share enlightenment with the world, but putting it in everyday circumstances. So that was the initial motivation that that started me on the path of writing this particular book. I think growing up I always knew that I wanted to be a writer, but this is my very first book. This is really the first thing that I've ever had published. And it is an ordeal. It is a journey. It is a process uh, of going through... And, and uncovering all of those experiences that we had in life and making them applicable to, to other people's experiences. So it, it was a wonderful journey. It was a very long journey. This is a 10-year uh, process. There were four other books that were written before you actually got to read Lead With Your Heart. You know, wow. as a writer, you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it was just a beautiful experience and one that I'm not going to experience again for a while, I can tell you, because it is, it is a difficult process. I will write again, but just not now. I'm not ready yet. I'm not full yet. I need to be filled again before I can write and let it out. Yeah, I think you've expressed that quite uh, quite poignantly, and uh, I've had a very similar experience. But uh, I just want to say the thing that really comes through, and I said this in the beginning today, is the authenticity. When someone writes from that place and they've taken the time and um, gone through the process, it's really very obvious because you can write beautiful words, but they're not necessarily the words that ring with the authenticity um, that I felt was was in this book. And I'd be really happy to recommend this. Folks listening out there, this is, I reckon, one of those must-have books. Um, you know, even if it's not the right time to uh, to take the information now, I think it's one of those books you have sitting by the bedside there and just grab it when the time is right. That's, that's great. Thank you so much for saying that. You know, it was very important for me to share my heart, my journey, my story. 
And if someone else sees themselves, which they will, then I wanted it to feel like a note from a close friend, just like Marianne said. Uh, I was so so fortunate that she said that because it captured exactly my intent. You know, I feel that we're all connected, and I feel that we all share the same experiences. And if in any way my journey can help someone else, then what a blessing that is. What an absolute blessing. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. We have a, um, a doctor friend who has often spoken on the currency of wellness, and he calls it the currency of wellness is connection. And I think that's quite profound. Okay, we're going to a break now on navigating the cancer maze. So don't go away. We're going to be back shortly and uh, talking again with Regina Cates about her book, Leading With Your Heart. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.holvung-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler, and uh, today talking with 
Regina Cates, and we're talking about her really wonderful book, her website, of course, romancingyoursoul.com, and her Facebook, which is also absolutely uh, excellent. It is Romancing Your Soul on Facebook. And uh, Regina, we're going to uh, now go into your book in a little more depth, and I'd like to... um, ask you about various premises that that come from the reading of the book and the first one and if you could enlarge upon these and uh, just tell us a little bit about your thoughts around these ideas the first one is change begins by accepting what is absolutely grace that was that was very true in my life because as long as i did not accept an aspect of myself. Let me give you an example. I smoked cigarettes for 22 years, and my mind convinced me that smoking was actually good for me, even though I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs, even though I would cough up nasty stuff, and I had bronchitis, you know, 24 hours a day for years. Uh, You know, I had to accept that smoking cigarettes was not good for me, because for so many years I told me that it was okay that I justified the behavior away. The moment that I accepted the reality of the circumstance for what it really was, that gave me the motivation to change it. So accepting, you know, for me, change begins by accepting what is real, not what we want to be real, but what really is real. I think that's the key to beginning any kind of change in our life, really looking at ourselves and accepting what is real in the moment. Yep, I certainly agree with that. And I think for our patients out there who are listening, this is a big one for cancer patients too. Um, They often say, I want to go back to the life I had before. And that prevents them from accepting that the life that they have now and what they can do with that. So I think it's a really important point, Regina. Um, The second one is finding the path of least resistance by accepting your actions that create your life. Mm, Oh, yes, definitely. This is a huge aha for me. You know, our actions do create our life. Uh, Other people can be rude. They can be condescending. They can be nasty. They can put their opinions on us. But we don't have to accept those in our life. Uh, You know, it's our actions that create our life. So whether we react to someone who's, who's being rude, then we're going to feel stress. We're going to feel anger. Uh, If we respond to someone who's being rude with kindness, then we're going to stay peaceful. Whatever action we take, that's the action that creates our life. So really, the path of least resistance, which is what we all want to have in life, is about being responsible for our actions, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, the motivation behind our actions. Because, Grace, when we're totally in charge of ourselves and the expression of ourselves through our thoughts and words and deeds, then we really can create the life we want. I think that's so very true. Um, I guess an aspect of control comes into this too, um, where we we try to control our life so much. Um, Could you just talk a little bit more to that point of that sense of over-control? Sure, yeah, because the the truth is, you know, not what our mind wants, not what our ego wants, (laughs) because it wants to change everybody else so that we're happy. The truth for me and what I found out in my life and through observation, (laughs) countless observation, is that we really can only control and change ourselves. That's it. We do have influence over other people through our behavior. You know, our actions teach, but we can only control and change us. 
You know, I'm not talking about control as as seen by by someone who's abusive to someone else. I'm not talking about that. Sure. I'm talking about the control that we have over our actions, the control that we have to ignore that rude person, to just go on and choose to be happy. Um, when we release the idea that we can control and change other people, we really become free to concentrate on ourselves. And when we concentrate on ourselves, a wonderful thing happens. Those people around us, because we've taken responsibility for our own behavior, all of a sudden that, that like a concentric circle effect goes out and changes other people too. Might take a little while, but I'm, I like to say changed people change people without trying. Yeah, and the way I think uh, uh, you've written this too, you, you talk about permanently giving up membership in the Victim of Circumstances Beyond My Control Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, when we, when we stop being a victim of life, then we start to be the victor of it, you know, uh, because when we're always blaming other people for the bad life that we have, you know, we can't concentrate on creating the life that we want. And it, and it doesn't mean, Grace, and I, I understand, because there's rude people and there's people that do things that impact us negatively, but it's that blame that we have of, if you would just do this differently, I, my life would be better. You know, we go through life with this victim. Victims are powerless. Yeah. And so we want to understand and accept that we're the ones that have power, whether that's to set a boundary in an unhealthy relationship or whether that's to actually leave an abusive relationship. We still have the power to do that. It's a power of choice. So when we stop being a victim, then we start exercising our power of choice. And the next point that I thought was a, an excellent one, uh, Regina, was conducting truthful self-assessment. Ooh, this is a hard one. And becoming aware of self-centered deceptions. Mm, absolutely. You know, uh, Grace, for me, this entire process has been uh, actually 57 years of self-assessment. Uh, that's what I mean by, by stopping the victim attitude. What is it that I can do about my behavior and my attitudes and my beliefs and my actions? that will help me be a better person. When we turn the mirror of self-assessment on us and we really become powerful to change the things that we don't like about ourselves, I mean, that's, that's very important because then we can recognize that, no, cigarette smoking is not good for us like we're telling ourselves. No, eating mindfully, mindlessly is not good for us as we're rationalizing or any of these other things like fear. You know, I mean, when we receive a cancer diagnosis, which my partner did, uh, we could go to the place of fear or we could go to the place of what can we do in order to best get to the other side of this or to live with a new normal. That's, That's great. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think uh, my, my listeners today might... Uh, just take away that gem and um, they do very well with that but there's a lot more of course that uh, uh, you've written about and I, I picked out another one here which was about dropping all the images of what you and other people were like in the past that's another one that really gets in the way of change isn't it yeah it is because you know when we've been hurt by someone then we want to continue to see them as that, that person that hurt us uh, and, and the sad part about that, Grace, is that often we do change and we don't acknowledge someone else changing. Now, let me, let me define how we know when someone has changed. Right. It's not through what they say, it's through what they do. And when what they say and what they do is in alignment, then we really do know that these folks have changed. Uh, you know, 
I, I gave an example in the book about a man in the neighborhood who was many, many years ago convicted of um, molesting children, but he hasn't done that behavior in, in many, 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 many years. Uh, when do we give these people a break? When do we say that, you know, they've paid the price? When is it that we give ourselves a break for all the mistakes and the choices that we made in the past that were horrible? When do we let other people off the hook when their consistent present behavior has been a totally different person? I think we're so easy to continue to keep, see people in the past like they were rather than give them the benefit of the doubt to actually see them as they are now. That's why it's so important that we drop the images of what we were like in the past and what other people were like in the past. We have got to begin accepting behavior, current behavior, as proof of who someone is now. Very wise advice. In fact, um, it's a subject that I don't hear talked about a lot, uh, even in these uh, more exploratory circles, so I'm really glad that uh, you are addressing that. Um, the next point I picked out was giving the higher, wiser, faith-filled heart power to make decisions over fearful, willful, self-protecting mind. Can you speak to that, please? Sure, yeah. You know, um, in my life I've learned that if it is peaceful, if it is loving, well, let me, let me go back, not just loving, but let me define what love is to me, because love is positive behavior. So that would be peaceful, accepting, cooperative, understanding. If it is the behaviors that align with love, and I've defined them in the book 26 of them, I'm sure there's more, Grace, but I've chosen the top 26 for me. If it is aligned with the behaviors of love, then we know it is the higher, wiser, what I call heart or soul that's operating. If it is fearful, if it is uh, blaming, if it is victimization, then it comes from that wounded part of us that is egocentric. That's what I mean by ego. It's the wounded part of us that we see ourselves as a victim. We see ourselves as alone on the planet. We see ourselves as, as you know, the most important. So when we're tapped into the behaviors of love, that's when we know that a decision is correct. That's when we know a relationship is correct. That's when we know... Uh, the choices are being made by the higher, wiser part of ourselves. It's calm, it's peaceful, it's reassuring. When it's fearful, then we know that it's being made from a place uh, of us that is not the higher, wiser part of us. But it's also, it's the, it's the part of us that is the mind, you know, the one that creates all of the rationalizations and the justifications. Yeah, and the sure. <laughs> and speaking of fear, uh, the next point that I had was, do you have any ways that have worked for you or maybe you've seen work for other people of replacing fear uh, with positive action? Well, you've just said it. Positive action is what actually takes care of fear. And, and one of the other things is to actually look at the fear because when you turn and look at fear, almost always it, it disperses. You know, it just, it just goes away. Um, a fear of of uh, dying, for instance, because I write in the book I was terribly afraid of dying, but, but I really realized I was afraid of living. See, but when I looked at my fear of dying and I dissected that, I came to the realization and the acceptance that, yes, I'm going to die. I'm not going to know when, I'm not going to know how, and I don't want to know. But what I can do is I can live every single day to the fullest so that I'm no longer afraid of dying. That's what I mean by replacing fear with positive action. I've taken an action uh, of living the best life that I can and making every single day the fullest, so I have no regrets. 
that means that I'm not afraid of dying. And we can use that same, um, you know, facing our fears with anything, whether that's a fear of heights or a fear of spiders or a fear of anything that we have a fear of. Financial collapse, then we take care of our, our resources. You know, most of what we fear is based upon our not taking the actions necessary that we know we need to take. And, and most of the fear goes away when we actually do take those actions that protect ourselves. Fantastic. Um, that was a very, very useful, very juicy session. Lots of fantastic takeaway tools uh, for listeners to navigating the cancer maze. We're going to take a break now and we'll be back shortly and uh, spend our last nine minutes of listening to Regina Kate talking about her work, her life and her book, Lead With Your Heart. Don't go away. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options in implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now... Back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. 
Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler, and we've had a very enlightening chat today with Regina Cates, who's uh, talking about her book, and we're going to continue going through some of the content of her book because uh, some of the premises that uh, really struck a note with me are the ones we're we're going to go through um, right now and the ones we've just been through. So, um, Regina, keeping commitments to one's self, um, can you talk about that and give any tips on the process? Sure, yeah, you know, as I've said earlier in the conversation, you know, love is positive behavior and we have to... Uh, treat ourselves lovingly first. That means that I have to be honest with myself first before I can be honest with others. If I'm not honest with myself, then I'm going to lie to you. Oh, I will find a justification or a rationalization to do that because I've done that before in my past. But when I became honest with myself, then I was able to become honest with other people. When I was loyal to myself, then I was really loyal to other people because I knew what it meant to be. So that's what I mean by keeping the commitments that you make to yourself. If you say you're going to do something, you need to do that because if you don't, then you're going to beat yourself up for not doing that. And then you cause all sorts of stress in your life. I've been there. I've done that. I know what it means. So keeping the commitments that we make to ourselves is extraordinarily important because it holds us accountable for our behavior. When we're accountable to ourselves, then we will hold ourselves accountable to the to behave in a way that doesn't hurt other people. Yep, great. Um, getting towards the last two or three of these, can you speak to, uh, you talk about staying emotionally present so that you can make astute, compassionate decisions towards yourself and others. Can you explain what you mean by staying emotionally present? Yeah, for me that means keeping my heart open not closing it down with judgment or blame or, or rationalizations against someone else by by not being too quick to jump to any kind of judgment. You know, in the book I talk about evaluation and judgment being different. Uh, for me it is. So that's what I'm talking about. Uh, staying present so that you can emotionally evaluate the facts of a circumstance rather than buying into the automatic judgment. Uh, you know, it's very important that we stay connected to one another, that we see ourselves in one another, that we have that empathy. So that's, that's what I mean by staying emotionally present. You want to have empathy. You want to give someone the benefit of the doubt. You don't want to jump to an inaccurate conclusion. Great. Um, how can uh, people kind of find uh, their peace of mind uh, through looking at what they thought was their success and their happiness? And uh, you talk about making the elements the cornerstone of life going forward by redefining success and happiness. Um, Can you make some comments about that? Yeah, I think this is extremely important for us because, you know, we live in a world that tells us exactly what we're supposed to do to be successful. Uh, You know, it's the big corner office, it's the big amount of money and all of these other things. And I think that until, you know, we sit down individually, this is an individual process. This is something that we have to do individually for ourselves because unless we do, then we're not going to live guided by that. So for me, success is being a person that is um, of good character. Success for me is being someone of value, someone who cares about other people, who cares about the world, who cares about how we're moving forward, who is able to look out and see that the actions that I take today are going to impact you know, people tomorrow. 
I think that's extremely important for us to sit down and say, what's really important? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it community? Is it clean water? Is it clean health? Is it, is it all of these things that we really need to take care of? Or is it, you know, some other person's idea of success because they're trying to sell us something? This is a very big thing for us to do, Grace. Each one of us has to do this as an individual. And it will make a very big difference to the world and how it operates and how we operate in it. Finally, the point uh, 11 that I chose from looking through your material, you talked about when making positive changes to your life, it helps to have a jumping off That became a jumping off point for me to take my power in every aspect of my life. So when we tackle that one thing and we overcome it, we become strong. Then we're ready for another. Then we're ready for another. So choose one thing that you want to change. Work on it. Do it. Don't try because trying is not the same as doing. Do it. Make it right. And then you can do another thing. You will become very powerful. Great advice. I call that the just one thing principle. And I've, I've talked about that for many years because we find that people who are dealing with cancer or life-challenging illness... They seem to try to want to make so many changes at once that they finish up changing nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, it happens to all of us because we get overwhelmed, Grace. You know, that's why I think it's very important uh, to take one at a time. I've made so many different changes in my life, uh, just the snowball effect, because I made, I made the first one. Start with one. Start with one. It's really good advice. Um, Regina, I noticed uh, when reading, uh, we have a lot of uh, similarities, as I said before, but you had an incident also with your back, which led to some surgery and a serious readjustment to life. Um, Could you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I've I've experienced a number of injuries in my life, and it it resulted in a couple of back surgeries. And also, when I was little, I was hit in the head with a baseball bat playing as a child. And so I've experienced some nerve damage to the point where I have atrophy, and I live in constant pain. Um, I'm not going to say that it's it's overwhelming. I can go about my life. I know there's people that, that suffer a lot more than I do. But I do have physical problems. And the way that I get through that every day, Grace, is that I remember that I'm a spiritual being on a great human adventure, and this body, it's going to hurt sometimes, but the soul that I am inside has the power to to rise above that, to get through the day, to do whatever it is that I need to do in order to keep, um, I guess, my life going in the right direction, you know, because I could become one of those people that just becomes involved in my pain and becomes involved that my leg doesn't work right and I can't run and I can't exercise like I used to be able to when I was younger. I tend to focus on what I can do rather than what I can't do. And I really think that that attitude makes a a great difference in how my body works and how I'm able to deal with it. Yeah, I think that's a part of that authenticity, Regina, that uh, just shines through the words in your book. And I know that so many patients, too, they want to heal perfectly. And it gets back to that first point that change begins by accepting what is. And uh, we're not likely to heal perfectly. We're likely to heal. <laughs> That's correct. That's exactly right. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, fantastic. Look, I always leave listeners uh, to the show with resources. And your website has an amazing amount of resources. Could you just speak to some of the resources that are on the site so that people uh, will go there and they also know where to go and how they can buy your book? Sure, yeah. Um, well, I, de- I designed Romancing Your Soul website uh, with my team to be a resource 
uh, we have meditations, we have guided meditations, we have how-to articles by people who have gone through experiences, you know, such as abuse and how they overcame that, um, dealing with the diagnosis of breast cancer and how they overcame that. And by, by overcome, I mean how they got through that to live a very positive life. So there's how-to articles, there's a lot of meditations, there's some of my inspirational talks and videos that I do. I like to do videos. Well, a lot of resources on the RomancingYourSoul.com website, and, and all of it is, um, you know, available to anyone throughout the world. Uh, as far as the book, the book is available on Amazon.com. It's available in Canada on Amazon.com uh, there, and it's also going to be available in the United Kingdom on Amazon in the United Kingdom. Uh, it's available on Barnes & Noble, too. Great, and it is available on Kindle and other e-readers. It yes, it is. Because that's fantastic. That's where uh, I managed to uh, get mine. So um, we'll just mention your website again. It's Romancing Your Soul, altogether those words, romancingyoursoul.com, and also check out Regina Kate's Facebook. And again, I highly, highly recommend this book. It's one of the best that I've seen in some time with some real... A gritty, realistic, good information for you to navigate the cancer maze or indeed to navigate life's maze. Thank you for your time today, Regina. Is there one little thing you'd like to leave our listeners with? I believe that each of us is a miracle and life is a miracle. And when we look at one another as miracles and we appreciate life, then, then we're going to find a way to make it all work, you know, in our lives and in it's just a beautiful experience to go through together. So Wonderful. thank you for having me. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. I've loved meeting you, and uh, I look forward to meeting you personally one day, I hope. <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? I look forward to that. Yeah, thanks, and um, I hope that your book does very, very well. Bye for now. Thank you so much. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon, U.S. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 